Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Happy 2019, everybody. I hope you all had a great holiday and are ready for another episode of Pitch List. Today, we have a really fantastic guest, country music recording artist, Craig Campbell. I've been a fan of Craig's for a long time. His velvet voice is its own island, a traditional comfort thriving in a sea of modern country music. We had a great chat and talked about writing, guitars, honky-tonks, and life in general. I really hope you enjoy this episode of Pitch List with Craig Campbell. Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here with another episode of Pitch List. We just uh, had Craig Campbell sing us a couple songs for the uh, for this episode that we're going to post on YouTube, and I'm still kind of blown away by it man that was so good well i appreciate it uh i'm glad you got me uh to do the songs first because uh i've i've always been that uh even when i first moved to nashville and, and was was making a living singing demos uh people were always surprised when they would ask me hey when do you want to sing and my i wanted to sing first thing in the morning really I, I've always i've always loved singing early that's unusual in the day Especially, Most, especially if I had a gig the night before and I kind of wore my voice uh, out. You had the gravelly kind of yeah, raspy. The next morning voice was always just so good. Yeah, I get that because uh, even me, uh, well, I croak out vocals. I'm not a vocalist, but uh, I notice when I get up in the morning, I have a little bit more low end. Yeah. Do you do a lot of punching or are you? I don't like to. I, don't, I, I thought so. I believe uh, the song needs it. I, I have never believed in in punching in a song I, what i like to do is i like to sing it two or three times uh because that's as good as i'm going to get it um, right you know we can sit and beat it up and, and beat it to death but i you know i feel like two or three passes through and then and then you just take the best out of those three and and make one mm-hmm. uh, is is the the better program for me and i would guess that actually uh, the most of the take you use is a full take because i think it's better if you can sing because uh you get a, you get a performance you get a right. you get a whole it's like taken as a whole versus being chopped up it's also a sign to me when i've produced before of a great singer there i've always said it great singers like a racehorse they run the kentucky derby you know right. and once they've run it they've done it they they left it all on the track they yeah. don't they don't have like four other passes or okay let's go get seven versions of uh verse 1 they're not they don't do that um and then the, you know i i'm not saying that i don't punch we I understand we, we there will be things that that it'll be good and then there'll just be one or two right. that words that that stick out that you know i might have went yep. sharp or flat on or, or just missed the timing of it all and and we'll grab that one piece but uh for the most part i like to sing uh whole passes and then just you know take it from there yeah 
Well, let's move on from that. That was a little inside baseball, but actually that's what we do here Yeah, is inside baseball. We talk about just whatever we want. I'm curious. Now I've worked with you before. We've written some songs and I know you, you know, when you spend a day with a guy writing, you, you get to know him probably better than if you just met him somewhere, but I'm still, I'm curious about, um, your influences. You know, I know, I, I know that you came up playing in church, right? Piano. Yeah. We talked about that earlier. You started as a piano player. Now you probably played acoustic guitar also. No, honestly, I um, really I, I started playing the piano. I was, um, and I tell this, I tell people this all the time. How you know they ask me how did I get into music, and my my response is is and will and always will be. Uh, I didn't choose it. You know, music chose me, uh, and it was something that I recognized as a kid. Even my mom and my my stepdad they recognized it too. You know, I couldn't go I couldn't go to church, I couldn't walk by a piano without sitting down to play it. And I and and I didn't just sit down to to beat on it. You know, I, I it was I was intrigued by it all. And um, so my mom and my stepdad bought a piano and, and brought it into our house. And I remember teaching myself the melodies to some of the church songs that we uh, we would play at church on a Sunday, and I'd come home and I'd pick it out, and uh, so it was just something that I, I I couldn't explain. It was just it was just it was in you me. You were drawn to, yeah. It. And I always wanted to play guitar, but I didn't have the money to buy one. And uh, so when I was fifteen years old, um, I entered a contest. Uh, a singing contest called the Jimmy Dean True Value Country Showdown. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. And, I remember uh, that was a national uh, thing, wasn't yeah, it? So at the local level, yeah. I won. I was fifteen right, and I right. won, and the prize was a guitar. Oh wow! And uh, I still have that guitar. And yeah, so I I basically just transferred the knowledge I had of a piano over to the guitar and, and uh, taught myself how to do that as well. I will say though, when I moved to Nashville, uh, I couldn't play guitar and sing at the same time. Right. It was, it was a, I couldn't do it because I, you know, piano was, I was a piano front man, so I didn't do much guitar playing and singing. Um, but I learned very quickly that if I didn't step up my game, right. you know, because Nashville, this is where they are. This is where the, the cream of the crop of musicians and singers and songwriters, uh, I either stepped up my game or I, I got sent home. Well, you stepped it up. So I, you know, yeah. So I taught myself how to sing and, Play the guitar at the same time. Uh, was it a thing of uh, dedication or just a lot of hours playing guitar and singing? That uh, just yeah, and just forcing it, having to do it. You know, when you when you go and do a show and it's just you and your guitar, you know, and nobody else to help you, you uh, it's out of necessity. Right. It's an intense learning environment. Right. Um, yeah. It's a little more than and when just practicing. Yeah, and when you're on stage with other people that can do it, and once again, it goes back to to you you either step it up because the the competition's steep right and it's either it's either step it up or or pack your bags well we talk about that here in the writer's room often um if you write with people especially when you're coming up who are better than you it raises your game you have to instantly right just being in the room you get better because you have to like they say if you play tennis Against someone who's not as good as you, you do not grow. You're not going to get. You play any somebody who's substantially better than you. You'll get better in five minutes because right. you have to. You have to. I know. I got off the subject. You was asking about influences. No, I know. Piano, I love it. I love it. Piano was was a big deal. It was my first instrument, and you know, I played. Yeah. 
my I played piano for my church for years and years uh, before I before I graduated high school and and even after moving to Nashville uh, the piano was a was a big deal I uh, I I was able to make a living and put food right. on the table by playing piano for for other people so you know I played for for Luke Bryan for a little while sure uh, and I played piano for Tracy Bird for almost two years and that was those were big those were really cool things to have on my resume. Yeah, those are big gigs. And uh and you probably played around town too. Oh yeah, played in Lower Broadway Nashville. Yeah. Played for uh all kinds of of up and coming singers sure. on, in here in Nashville and even played piano for myself, you know, as as a front man here in Nashville. And it's in it as a musician, this is a competitive environment. No no doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt about now, it. Now, and you know what? I think it's unique, and why I wanted to talk about it a little bit, and I'm glad, I'm glad we are. Um, your story is, is fairly unique. I, I'm trying to think in my mind if I know a guy who was a professional level player first, and then uh, went into being a recording artist. I don't know if I know anybody. I think you know. Um, there's a couple of guys that, that come to mind. I think Jay Demarcus played played for some okay. folks. Yeah. And uh, before joint before I'm thinking there was one guy. Uh, dang, he's a re- uh, Steve Warner back oh. in the day. Incredible player. And then way, way back in the day, Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell. Yeah. Playing well, was, for the Beatles, right? Uh, Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Well, he played in the Wrecking Crew out in L.A., which is the famous band that uh, Brian Wilson used in his Beach Boy recordings. But they played tons of pop stuff. Speaking of Brian, I think Brian White. Was Brian White was another one? Yep. For I think like Shelley Wright, maybe yep. or something yep. like that. I guess there are more that I'm thinking of. But yeah, yeah if you dug around, if you dug, but but in general, that's not the story. You know, no, you, it's you, interesting when you come to Nashville. You you, I had my sights set on being a singer, and that was my goal. That was that was my. But it goes. It, it always comes down to being able to to make money, make sure. a living. Yeah. So it was easier for me to say, "Hey, I'm a piano player." Than it is to say I'm I'm here to sing, you right? Know, I, well, and you're playing piano, you're making demos, you're meeting people, and then you start to do demo singing, which is a great way. Oh man, to get it to meet writers and to get better quick, and uh, and 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 get in front of A and R people because yeah. they hear these demos and they're like, "Who is that guy?" Yeah, it was a, uh, and uh, and I can honestly trace pretty much all of my the my stardom if you will in nashville back to to being in luke bryan's band because luke uh was a was super cool to me and he said man you are you you got you got what it takes he said right. i, I want to introduce you to some people and he introduced me to uh his publisher at the time and then also one day I was I was in the office where he was writing, and he introduced me to a guy named John Mabe. Oh yeah, and then uh, John randomly says, "Do you sing demos?" And I had never sang a demo before. Wow! But I knew what it was, and I and I thought, yeah, I could do that. So I told him, I said, "Yeah, I'm a demo. I can sing. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah bring it on." Sure. He, and his wife, uh, right at the uh, time, Connie Harrington. That's right. Um. He said she needs a demo singer for this song, and and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give her your name and your number. And she called me, and I uh, it was a song that her and Lee Thomas Miller wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went in, and that was my very first paid wow demo uh, after moving to Nashville. 
Wow. Did you have to learn it on the spot or did they send it to you? No, no, you? yeah, it was it was a few days later. Yeah, I got they got they were able to send me the work tape and, and I was Did you woodshed it pretty good? Oh or? yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, I, would I wasn't I wasn't coming in there half cocked. I was yeah. I was gonna be ready to go. Now after you started doing a lot of demo vocals, I've seen guys like that who are good at it who just because they're doing so many they will walk in and have never heard the song. I can do. I could do it, I, and right. I have done it, but it would take me a little longer just because yeah. um, songwriters, and they're very particular yes, on melodies and, and uh, cadence and, and uh, timing and, and all that. So uh, sometimes if it was on the fly, I would sing it the way I would sing it, right. and they wouldn't like that. So. No, and you know, I want to talk about that because we have uh, a lot of song, you know, mostly songwriters who listen to this, and I think a lot of the listeners are also at the front end of their careers, the front end. Um, there is a lot of that with songwriters, and they'll just beat a vocalist to death. Beat you to slap the death. <laughs> and, you know, not the, you know, you're getting paid. You're a professional. Yeah. They can take it. Right. But there's something else going on there that I want to comment on, and I want to see what you think about it. Um, I pretty quickly came to this conclusion. If I've got Craig Campbell in here, he's a legitimate great country singer, really recording level, master level singer. And I got him in the booth and I'm browbeating him about this or that. I'm not a great country singer. That's why I hired him. And he's going to, he has the potential to do me big favors with this melody. And I'm not letting him do it because I got to have it my way. And it, I've had, I've gotten cuts off of let singers who like yourself, who are great. And, and they say, well, you know, and they just naturally go another way. And I go, okay, wait a minute. That's not what we had planned, but actually that's better. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a good balance though. If you, sure. if you, as a, if you're the songwriter and you're listening, you hired a guy or a girl to come in and sing this song because you think they're, they're really good singers. Right. Um, there's there's a balance of letting them do what they do, but at the same time they need to stick with the way it was was originally written, right? Because there's uh, just for instance, I've I've um, having outskirts of heaven on the radio. I've I've listened to a lot of people um, do covers of this song, right? Um, and there's there was these things about that song that were very specific, uh, but but. One out of every five, they would change all that, and it took away, it took away the rhyme scheme. It took away the, the the meaning of the song, mm -hmm. and I and it frustrated me. Right, but I was also honored and flattered sure. that people would cover my song. But so I think there's a balance when you when you hire a singer to come in and sing a song that you wrote to let them do their thing, but they need to they need to stay to stay to well, the right. program. It, maybe it's a combination. Yeah, you just have to as a writer in the demo process, you have to just drop as many expectations as you have. Like it's got to be. And I think that includes when you're cutting a demo with the players, just because it's not the way you envision it doesn't mean it's not better. And I've seen it be worse. I mean, it's, it can happen either way. I mean, I've, I've tracked things before. It's like, no, no, that's completely wrong. You know? No, I learned the hard way too on that. Yeah. As far as yeah. I would go in and even before the band would hear the song, I, I would, I would prep the the players and say, Hey, when you hear this, I don't like what's happening here. I want you to do right. this, and right. then it would totally derail the session, right? It, because it put them in a box, and right. I didn't, I didn't let them do what I hired them to do. Exactly, the same thing can happen, and I've seen with musicians, especially when you're cutting the demo, and maybe you're doing the scratch vocal, 
you know, if you start pounding on those guys, it just shuts them down. It does. It, and it, they, and they they are incredible players. That's why and mostly, I mean, that's why they're there and they they have lots of ideas they can offer you that they will not do once they think that you don't appreciate it or you don't know what you're doing. I've seen them just go boom yeah, and they're I've like, seen the okay. lights go out. Yeah, the lights and, go and out. The same right. way with me as back then when I was a demo singer, if somebody started beating me up so bad, so bad, I my mind goes into, okay, I'm going to do the absolute minimum right just so i can get out i just want to i just want to get out of this door yeah. and get my paycheck yeah i'm just going to try to do exactly what he said right. and get out of here right i will say too that once i got once i got close to signing my record deal and i knew that it, that was that was right around the corner I, I i kind of started changing my philosophy when it came to demo singing and i started doing it a certain way and then if somebody wanted to wanted to roll it a different way up I, I would be like mm that ain't how I would sing it, you know. Right, right. That kind of, st- but that was that was after I'd I'd been doing it for a long time. We used to uh, Amy back in the day uh, after Jamie Johnson lost his deal on with you know an RCA. Right. Um, he was working on a new record at County Q, and he didn't sing demos. You know that was his line. I don't sing demos, right? And I I totally respected that. Amy would call him up. Uh, have it up here on the board, right? And call them up and say, I went to the money machine and got 400 bucks. I got $400 on the console. Will you come sing this demo? And Jamie would come over and sing it. And he would, he just grabbed, give me that lyric sheet. You know, he'd walk in there and just, it was an, a, a complete interpretation of what you had written, but every one of them got cut. Right. Every one of them, because it was better. Yeah. No, it's, and Jamie was, he was the king. You know, yeah. He's, his melodies, his uh, his inflections, and that's, yeah. that's why he he was and is as successful as he is. Yeah, he's an he's a well, he's authentic. He's very authentic, and it's and he's good too. I and he mean, wasn't going to break from that either. No, no, no. And I think they misunderstood him on yeah. his first deal. He's an absolute sweetheart. I don't know how he got a reputation as being a wild man because he's not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the beard and the hair. Maybe. And maybe I, mean, I I could see him being hard headed if you were you know. But, but honestly, though, people mistake quietness, yes, as being as being an a hole. Yep. Absolutely. Just because somebody doesn't talk to, well, he's he's a butthole. Yeah. And they have no, they don't know that person at all. I've seen it many times. Um, and actually, in my the beginning of me writing here. I was quiet and I, I know people thought maybe I was aloof. I think they interpreted that way. And it's just like cocky, cocky. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not cocky. I'm just listening. I don't, you know, I'm the same way. Yeah. My wife, she, she, when we first, our first couple of years of our marriage, she asked me all the time, are you having a good time? You need to talk, you know, you need to this and that. And I'm like, yeah, that's not my, that's not my, how I roll. Well, I think there's a thing in the South. I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. My father was like this and uh, all the men in my family where I grew up in Texas and West Texas, men just didn't talk much. They were quiet. They, it was just like, you know, I think even her, I, I think I even heard my father say one time, it's like girls talk a lot, you know, it's like, I, mean, I, I guess Absolutely. that's sexist, but it really wasn't. It was just like, I think if you grow up around males who are just don't, you know, men a few words, then you just sort of emulate that behavior. And I like to listen. I, I like to listen too. And, and if somebody asks my opinion, I'll, well, now I'll say I've changed. I'm, I'm pretty chatty. 
way more well, than I used to be. Well, it's a good be. thing that now that you have a podcast. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Now, I want to ask you, too, I, I've got a question here because um, I know you've been here and I'm, I'm curious about this. I wrote uh, favorite older country songwriters. Do you did you because I know well, they call you a neo-traditionalist. Do you do you go with that? Do you, I roll with it. It's um, I don't think that's exactly you personally. I read that in your bio, and I mean it is. I get well, that. If you if you listen to my first album that we did with Keith Stegall, um, it yeah, it's very traditional, uh, and that's that's my that's that's what I grew up. Uh, you know, I was I'm a product of the early '90s country music. Uh, so I and I'll I'll say this. Till I'm blue in the face, I think the the whole class of '89, that that '90s boom yep. of, of country music, might be the best era of country music we've ever had. I I could agree with that because, uh, and on my side of the business, I think those songs, and I think it's been proven out. Those were there were some giant copyrights that bled over into other formats and are just there were some big songs that went along with those artists yeah. that were just huge. Yeah. And, and that's the neo-traditional, I guess was, uh, if you listen to my music, you'll hear those influences from those, from those, that group of, uh, of country music singers. But I, at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, what I'd like to try to do is to, to make my songs competitive. And I agree. So I, I think that's where the, the neo comes from, but I don't know if I'm completely neo-traditional, but it's, uh, any of my songs, I doubt you'll ever hear. I'm not going to say you won't ever hear. I'm just saying it'll be, it'll have to be a special song to be to hear it on a station other than a country station. Right, I agree with that. But I, my assessment is, I think you are a traditional singer, but I think some of your material is is more is more modern. I, I think it's just because your vocal style is traditional country. And that sort of uh, gives people the idea that you're a neo-traditionalist. But but some of the things I've heard you sing and I think are very modern. And, and you know, it all comes down to sometimes to the production of it all. And, exactly. And, and the way it sounds exactly. on the radio. And, mm-hmm. and uh, all those influences that I had in the early 90s, that's all been done. So we, we got to exactly. move on. Yeah. And it, and it is an evolving format. Actually, all formats of music are evolving. Yeah. And they always have. Uh, the, and there has always been... A thing here in Music Row of people saying, I've been here 20 plus years and uh, I, they have said it every year I've been here that it's going back country every, every year. And I think, well, it's never not been country, number one, because if it comes out of Nashville from a country label, it's country by right. definition. By, yeah. And but it does go forward and new uh, pop and rock influences work their way in. But. Um, I don't think it's going back anywhere. It never has. I mean, mm. if you talk about early '90s country, well, let's look at Patsy Cline. I mean, that was totally different, just as great, but that was a, a you know that was a different sound. But it's also country. It's always evolved, is what I'm saying. It's all, yeah. and it continues to this. And day. it will. It will, it will and always. If, and if it don't, it'll die. Exactly, because younger listeners come into the format every year, and they bring with them some rap music that they grew up loving. Now that's what you hear in bro country is an influence of rap beats with a country sensibility as far as the lyric and the cadence is a little bit more rap on the melody, but they still, you know, that's what that is to me. And then I'm curious to see what's going to be next, you know, 
What about this Garth cut I was reading about? Oh, man, I don't even Tell know. Tell me about that. I don't even know how that happened. It was, uh, honestly, I recorded uh, this song, All-American Comeback Kid, is what we we called it, me mm-hmm. and Bryce Long and Terry McBride. We called it All-American Comeback Kid. Um, it was an idea that I had. I had heard a story about some soldiers coming home and, and um, to me, it just hit me that morning as like the greatest comeback of all time. Um, so we wrote this song and I recorded it for my third album mm-hmm. that I was going to put out with Bigger Picture. And before that album could come out, the record label closed. And so that song just kind of got released into the wild again. <laughs> and weird, crazy mm-hmm. enough, man, um, I guess uh, somebody pitched it to Garth. Garth was was about to do his uh, out of retirement man, man, man against, against machine. machine yeah. uh, he was going to do his out of retirement album, and he heard All American Comeback Kid and uh, and really liked it and put it on hold. I'm like, well, yeah, what if, Garth Brooks? Are you kidding me? Yeah, whatever Garth wants, Garth gets. Yes. Um. So, but then at the, still at the same time, I had never had a song recorded by another artist. So oh, okay. I I was a little skeptical. And then we get an email a couple of weeks later saying that Garth wanted to change the title to All American Kid. And once again, what Garth wants, Garth I was like, Why why are you wasting time asking me? Yeah. yeah just Garth yeah. Brooks. Um and then a couple of weeks later get another email saying Garth wants to put a hyphen between all and American. I said, okay, what that makes no difference to me. But at this time, I'm thinking, this is serious. Like, if okay. he's going through the trouble of sure. changing the title and then even all the way down to the the detail of putting a, a hyphen, then he, he must, he must going to be. He's, yeah, he might, he might cut he this wants thing. To, so, yeah. The next, not long after that, we get called to come listen to the album at, uh, at his studio. And it was, it was a weird thing. But um, Had you met him before? No, that was, that was the first day. Were you first, a fan? Oh, yeah. Me too. I mean, like I said, Big going fan. back to that, those um, class of 89, I mean, he, he, was, he was the king from, from then to, oh, yeah. till he retired. For that he's, first a, he's a rock star, man. He is. I mean, I'm a Wikipedia freak. Mm-hmm. Like I love reading Wikipedia on, on certain things. And I, if you read his Wikipedia page, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. What well, he's done. He, I mean, he still comes out and he'll sell out Bridgestone arena like seven, eight nights in a row yeah, to this day. It's crazy. Um, and he played central park. And I mean, they didn't even know how many people were there. It, I think it was like, Amy was up at that. Uh, it, it was like a million people. Said it was over a million people. Yeah. That just don't make sense. No. Me. I mean, we I don't think we've had a male artist that big since. And we've got some big male artists. Yeah, and I don't think it's it's gonna be a while for somebody that does that again. But he was incredible live. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Chesney, yeah. you know, he's he's doing the fifty thousand seats a night. Um yeah. and that's and he can do That's uh, pretty awesome. In Atlanta, <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. So yeah, having us having Garth singing one of my songs is is was pretty pretty awesome. And then he also he sang that song. Uh, the one year they had the ACMs in Dallas, mm-hmm. he did it on the show. Oh, that's so So great. that's, you know, those are things that nobody can ever take away from me. No, I know. And you it, know what I mean? It, oh, I do. And it, and especially if you can go live, I've had a few moments doing this uh, where I've been places where they would sing a song I was a writer on and you see 15 and they stop and 15,000 people sing the chorus back, you know? Yeah. There, that, I mean, there is nothing like that, man. 
it it just shakes you. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. So back on, I'm still curious a little bit about the neo-traditionalist. Did you grow up listening to any pop or None. rock music? No, I didn't I was, think you did either. So you was, grew up listening to Alan Jackson and 90s or 80s country. And- yeah, but I will say though that I was a huge, also, with this, I mean, I loved Boys to Men. Wow. Well, that's that's the age. I get that. But I loved, I mean, I just, I thought they were great singers and the harmony was was second to none uh, to, to be able to take that barbershop-esque mm-hmm. uh, harmonies. I've never, th- I've never thought of it that way. To, wow. to put behind an R&B beat and sing yeah. music. And also, Boys to Men, if you look at their Wikipedia page, they're the only artists in history to replace themselves at number one. Sitting at number two, that song came down from one, they popped in and got, Wow. Now, Keith Stegall, did he do your very first record for Big Picture? He did. He did my first record with Bigger Picture, and he also uh, we he co-produced my second album, which had Out of My Head and Keep Them Kisses Coming. Um, he did that record, uh, co-produced it with Matt Rovey. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, I did not know, this is something I did not know about you. So you do work, well, there's two things. Have you you've done some USO stuff? Yeah, right? man. We, uh, you you do a lot. Do you do a lot of that? Or? We've done we've done a handful of things here in the states. Mm-hmm. But uh, about two years ago, I I went on my very first overseas USO trip. Wow! And it was it was an experience I I did not expect. Uh, I've always had a had a respect and a love for the military and their families, uh, but it was an eye opening. Uh, uh, experience for me and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, being a part of that and, and getting to hang out with, with the military and their families and seeing what they have to deal with and the sacrifices they make. Yeah. And they um, do. A lot of people say that, you know, it's a life changing experience to go over there, you know, and, and cause you really, they take you in their big, uh, planes, yeah, right. And you yeah. fly in, you wear flak jackets and you really get down in there and it's sometimes dangerous places. Yeah, we were in Afghanistan at one time, and they they told us that it was uh, one of the most enemy infested parts of the world, and um, is so that's that's just that's just crazy to even think about. Yeah, they, they, we're there for just a couple of hours, but they're there all day, every day. Yeah. Um. So that was a that was a great thing for me, and uh, I, I can't wait to to team back up with them and do some more stuff. Yeah, it's got to be rewarding because it. You know, to to bring a piece of home to these uh, men and women, just so far away from that, home. and that's what we got told so many times. Were were you know when we were on stage for thirty minutes singing and playing guitars, and you know, every, a lot of people would say, "Thank you so much for making me forget where I was for thirty right, minutes." You right, know, making yeah. me forget I was in hell. Yeah, I think um, it's easy for people to forget, and it, it's not it's, it's human. You go about your day, you know, you have your own problems, you raising your family and you to, 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 to forget that those people, it is 24 seven and it is, it's tough and it's tough when they come back. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a, it's an issue that people, people are aware of it, but it is very difficult for veterans to come and assimilate back, uh, after that experience. No doubt. And it's, um, my heart goes out to them. Um, second thing along these lines is uh, another thing I did not know, um, fight CRC is a charity you work with. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. We, uh, we teamed up, uh, probably five or six years ago, fight colorectal cancer. Um, they heard about some things that I was doing on my end here in Nashville, uh, 
to raise money for colorectal cancer. My daddy was uh, he was 36 years old when he died with colon cancer. Oh Lord, I didn't know he so, was 36. Yeah, so we've been. You know, the older I got, I started digging into why he was taken away from me at such an early age, and um, what could I do to prevent that from happening. So the more I the more I learned, I realized that it could have been prevented. Right. You know, if he'd have known what I know now about right. colorectal cancer, he, there's a good chance he could still be here. Right. So I was I started my thing, just my cornhole tournament every year during CMA Fest, where we raise money for for colorectal cancer. Uh, and awareness, um, and then they found out what I was doing. So they reached out to me and asked me what I did. I want to uh, be a, uh, a spokesperson, and I said absolutely. Um, we've been working together, and uh, we've raised a lot of money. I know. I that's where I was headed next. Uh, almost a half a million dollars. No, we, I think we're over half a million. Oh, okay, yeah, I said four fifty, but a half over half a million dollars that you've personally been involved right. raising for that so charity. This past June, we did just over two hundred thousand just at the, the one event. That that's we did. amazing. What's the number one message that they're trying? Is it early testing? Is early that- testing, but mainly just to get to get tested. Period. Right. A lot of people, especially guys, are ashamed to even talk about it. Right. But at the same time, it's life saving. It's life it because I, from what life. I've read, that particular kind of cancer they can deal it's with it, right? If they catch it early, yeah, yeah. And you know, my whole the the reason I, I I'm so passionate about it is because I don't want my girls growing up without their dad, like I did. Exactly. Well, anyway, I think it's great that you are being a spokesperson for this, and uh, I think it's an important issue, and it's just really great, man. Let's talk a little bit and then I'll let you go. I just want to say, uh, I just want to uh, ask you about one thing. I love to ask people um, where they want to be in, say, five years. How do you, how would you like your career to be in five years? Sky's the limit. Well, you know, I've, there's a couple of things on my list that I haven't been able to do yet. Um, I have not had a a number one song yet. Um, Those, I'd love to have that. and that ties in with my next thing that I would want would be just sustainability. Uh, being in the music business, you got to have hits to uh, to be able to stay in the business, right? Um, and so that's I, that's what I want. I, in five years, I want to still be doing this. That's that's my main thing. It is interesting about the number one record because uh, there's so much timing involved in that. Yeah. And you've had really great records that have gone way up the charts. And I've had that as a writer too. Sometimes it's just a matter of timing that you, you know, depending on what kind of traffic jam they've got up in the top 10. And uh, it's unfortunate. You can have a really, um, we had a song a long time ago with Martina called this one's for the girls, which was a big song for her. It, it went to like three or two on one of the charts, but it was a big song. Right. And, and it's still a big song. It's still a big yeah, song. Yeah. She still does it. I think it, I've covered that song. Um, really? Uh, I do a thing called Woman Cover Wednesday. I love that. Every uh, on Facebook where I would just, I'll do a, a girl song. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. So I, I don't know that I'm not saying necessarily a number one. I mean, number one sounds good to say, you know, no, I, I understand I, 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 as a songwriter or as an artist, you say mm-hmm. I've had X amount of number ones, but a hit. Right is a hit, you know, if you get it inside the top 10, and then if you even if you get it in the top five. Top five, top five, uh, yeah. if I mean, if I could have nothing but top fives, then I'd there be happy go. with that. 
Well, it drives so much of your business as far as your live right. show. And the touring and, and the, the, it, and the it, it streaming just, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like gasoline for the rest of it. It is, absolutely. And, yeah. So that's, in five years, I hope to have a couple of those. Right on. <laughs> I like to put it out and I like to have people put it out in the universe because I think that helps you get it. Yeah. When you can say it. Right. Especially with, for younger artists, you know, to get them to say it because then it's real. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's out there. It's out there. Yeah. And then, then your heart, you know, everyone's heart's like a heart, uh, like a, a heat seeking missile. And if you, if you put that target out there for real and commit to that target, it's, un, it, it is, it's crazy how your heart and soul will, will go for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even when you don't know it, you right. know, like subconsciously and not putting out there what you want out of life. Really, it's hard to get it if you don't own it. That's right. You know, it's hard to make it happen. Craig Campbell. I've really enjoyed our talk. Um, thank you for taking your time to do this. I can't wait for people to see your live songs you did for us. They are fantastic. Right on. This is Chris Lindsay, and you're listening to Pitch List. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. And don't forget to head over to our YouTube page at Pitch List Podcast to watch exclusive performances from this episode. And thank you also for all the fantastic five-star reviews left on iTunes. It really means a lot to us, and it really helps us spread the word. See you next time on Pitch List. <laughs>